This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3. The title of this message is An Uncertain Future. The days in which we're living in right now are uncertain. The truth is this. The future is really always uncertain because we can't see into it but thank God we know that He already sees it. But right now, just like if you look at world history, right now we're going through a time that people feel very uncertain what's happening all over the United States of America. Not only here, but around the world, really. There is an uncertainty everybody's feeling. Uh, the pandemic has caused a resurgence of people feeling uncertain. And so the Bible talks about this. Long before you and I were born, people were reading the Bible trying to find answers to times in which they felt uncertain. World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War. All these things have been going on long before we were even born. And people felt uncertain, and God's children turned to the Word of God for the answers. And that's what I want us to do this morning because there is a lot of uncertainty that we're seeing in our day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, listen to this. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Now, we know a woman gets pregnant. She carries the child about nine months, and the closer she gets to delivery, her pains increase. Things begin, in a sense, speed up, and they know she's about to give birth to a baby. Right now, we're living in very uncertain times, and everybody feels it. They're talking about it all over the world. Constantly, everybody's talking about it. There's, it's almost like a woman's just about to have a baby. We're living in uncertain times, and people are worried. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is speaking about future events that will start with the rapture of the church. I personally believe that is near, but only God the Father knows. Jesus said that. Only God the Father knows these things. But I do believe that we're going to see signs before the rapture of the church. It's like a baby about to give birth. We begin to see signs. She's getting ready to give birth. We look at the world condition and what's happening in this uncertain future, and people are worried. What's happening is we're seeing signs about what I believe is going to happen. I know it's going to happen because the Bible tells us. We just do not know exactly when. But the Bible does teach us there will be times of tribulation, and then there will be this what's called the second coming of Christ. His first coming, we celebrate it every year at Christmas. He was born in a stable, in a manger, in Bethlehem. Prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. It was in the Old Testament prophesied that he would come, and he did come to a very small town in Bethlehem. And so everything else the Bible says in the Old Testament about future things, they are also going to come true. In the psalm, it talks about the Messiah would die basically on a tree. And at that time when the prophet wrote that, we know that he was controlled by the Holy Spirit as he wrote. At that time, there was no such thing as dying on the cross. That had not been invented yet. But when Jesus came, he lived 33 years, he died on a cross 
or he died on a tree, ever how you want to uh, phrase that. And so it came to pass. And so we listened to commentators on radio. You know, sometimes I like to call them commentators. We listened to them on radio and TV trying to find out what's happening. I'm trying to make sense of this. What might happen if we keep going the way we're going? Trying to understand what's going on. But as we listen to them, we realize they really do not know themselves. Because what they're talking about is what they think may happen in the future because of what's happening right now, but they do not know for certain. God knows, and it's in His Word, and that's where God's children need to rest. Un an uncertain future. So people right now are asking many questions. So let's look at some of the questions. The first one being this. Looking at what's happening all over, look what's happening in our city. Is God still in control? That's number one. Is God still in control? Because it sure seems like He's not in control. My friend, listen. We had a beautiful moon the other night. Did you notice how beautiful that full moon was the other night? Gorgeous. You know what? Sun still comes up and the sun's still setting. If you think God's not in control, my friend, think a little deeper. He's in absolute control. And our oceans are still washing up on the beach, staying in their same perimeter that God created. Yes, he's in control. He's in absolute control. So in light of today's events, the newspaper headlines and newscasts, my friend, listen, God is still in control. He always has been in control. He always will be in control. So we must see God from an eternal perspective. You have to practice seeing earth and time as we know it through the eyes of God from the heavenly realm, the eternal realm, instead of just thinking time temporary back to God. Why not say, God, with your word and by your spirit, help me see what's going on right now and help me understand and be at peace with whatever comes my way in the future because you are in absolute control. Even if it's hard, you're in control. We have to see God from an eternal perspective. Psalm 47 verses 7 through 8 says this, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. God reigns over the nation. God sits on His holy throne. Well then, Chris, why is there so much chaos? Keep listening. Now, things we must remember as a child of God. you got to keep this in your mind. It's an eternal perspective. Back to earth and time where you live. You have to think eternally. God, the Bible teaches, God is everywhere. He's everywhere at once. Satan has to be in one place at a time. His legions of demons that are all over this earth, it's very obvious, and the Bible teaches it. They can only be at one place at a time. That's why they're so interested in controlling the Internet, because they can only be at one place at a time, and they can influence mankind through eyes and ears through the internet that's going out all over the earth. They want to control it, and they do control it. It's man-made. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him. 
says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord. What he's saying is this. I am everywhere. God, my friend, is everywhere. Not only that, God has all knowledge. Hebrews 4.13, listen to this. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, listen, to whom we must give account. Listen, he's everywhere and he has all knowledge. But not only that, God's ways are perfect. You say, wait a minute. How can God's ways be perfect when I'm looking around me and it looks like chaos and God created all this? Keep listening. God, my friend, his ways are perfect. Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him. Not only that, God is righteous. Psalm 145:17. the Lord is righteous in some of his ways, all of his ways. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, and he's gracious. He shows grace in all of his works. Well, I'm not seeing it, Chris. Keep listening. Not only that, God is forgiving. Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. Listen to this carefully. This speaks of the fact that this perfect God is forgiving. Listen to this. Visiting the iniquity, talking about sins, of the fathers. Your father, my father. Your grandfather, my grandfather. Your great-great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather. Before we were born, their sin are visited upon us, the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You say, what's going on in this world? Three letters, S-I-N. We're being affected by sins of people long ago before we were born. And I love you, so listen. The way you and I are living now, what we're doing with our time, what we're speaking with our lips, how we think will affect the generation after us. Our sin affects Children that haven't been born yet by the way we are right now. See, it's not God. It is man. And the problem is sin. So hold on to that. We're going to get to more of that in a moment. Not only is he forgiven, God is patient. Aren't you glad? Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Do you ever just think, I hope he doesn't give up on me. How many times have you been right here at Memphis Union Mission and you prayed and just thanked God for what He's done for you and said, I'm repenting tonight. And then three days later, you're back doing what you were and you have this feeling, is He just going to turn His back on me? Is He tired of me? You ever felt that way? The Bible teaches God is patient. God is patient. He is long-suffering toward us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He does not want any one of you to die this morning 
and go to hell. So therefore, he's patient, but you're getting older and he's patient, but you're physically dying. I'm physically dying. He's patient. He's long-suffering because he's love. He's not giving up on you. The answer to the question, is God in control? Yes, he is. He was, he is now, and he always will be in absolute control. So the second question is this. How can a loving God allow evil to happen in our world? How does he allow this to happen? So that brings the question of evil. Let's look at this. Go, let's go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. The beginnings. And let's get our perspective correct. God's perfect, but we're not. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Then God saw that everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Not just good. It was very good. Well, then what's happened to it? Keep listening. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, listen to this, God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God created what we can see, my friend. And he said of it, he said it is not just good. He said it is very good. But then something happened. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Who tempted Adam and Eve? There you go. Who's tempting you every day? Satan and his demons. That's what's going on. It's not that God's not in control. It's not what God created is not very good like he said because it is. It is people from generation to generation to generation to generation. It is us messing up this world right in front of a loving Heavenly Father. And if you say, I just don't believe He's loving, well then why did He send His Son, who was perfect and sinless, to become our sin and die out with it? He's loving, merciful. He's good. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Remember, if it wasn't for Adam and Eve, none of us would be here. Skin color matters nothing. It's what's inside of a man, inside of a woman, inside of a child. It has nothing to do what part of the world you come from? I've been all over the world. does not matter. Skin color, nothing. We all came from Adam and Eve and never let anybody tell you anything different because that is what the Word of God teaches. And listen, He made Adam and Eve perfect, but something happened. Lucifer, Satan, he's the one who showed up in the garden. He deceived Eve. He did not deceive Adam. He deceived Eve. And they ate the fruit that God has said, don't eat lest you die. There you go. That is what's going on in this world. And the Bible clearly teaches this. It's not God angry at us because we're so sinful. Because this all-knowing God, before he created the heavens and the earth, he knew everybody that would ever be born and every sin they would ever commit. And he said, let's do it anyway. Let's make man in our image. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve, first man and woman, they have now sinned. And God's not sitting up in heaven, arms folded. You ridiculous humans. 
He's actually moving toward them in all their sin. They disobeyed Him. The first sin of mankind, they disobeyed. He's moving toward them and He's moving towards you, but you're growing older. He's long-suffering. Don't keep putting Him off. He loves you. He's not against you. He's for you or you wouldn't even be here. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. First time they ever hid themselves. Let me ask you, what you're doing, could it be that emotionally, psychologically, you're hiding from God? Earlier, what did we say? Everyone is in His sight. Everyone is in His sight. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Let's move from Genesis in the Old Testament, Adam and Eve. Let's move all the way to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 5, 12, Therefore, just as through one man, he did not say one woman. He didn't say Eve, Adam. Paul said, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death. The reason you're dying, my friend, is because sin entered into the world and you and I were born in sin, dead in trespasses and sin. Therefore, we physically are dying. You say, well, I just don't believe it. Well, go to the nearest cemetery here and look and explain that to me. We're dying daily. And thus, death spread to all men, all countries, all languages, all skin colors. It spread to everyone equally. Death spread because all sinned. You say, what do you mean all sinned? When Adam sinned, some theologians say we were in his loins. All of us came from the loins of Adam. The Bible teaches that when he sinned because we were all in him, we sinned. That's the reason you have to teach a child how to behave. They come into this world knowing how to misbehave. And that is what's wrong in this world system right now. And everything seems so uncertain. And everybody's looking at each other and saying, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? Sin came into the world long before you and I were born. The way we think, the way we talk, what we do, we learn as babies from mom and dad. Wisest thing a human being can do, as soon as they understand something's wrong with where I am, is to get in a better environment. That goes a long way, but you have to choose to do it. Because what we see and what we hear, we become like all day long and we don't know it. And this is sin, three letters, that came... When Adam and Eve sinned, we were all in Adam, and so therefore we all sinned. That sin was imputed to us, but listen to this. When Jesus died on the cross for you and me, that was imputed to us. We don't deserve it. That was imputed to us. And so, God is good, Satan and man are evil and bad, mankind must be born again. That is what we're to be doing with the rest of our lives. The only hope, my friend, for the human race is for people to become like Christ. And the only way that can happen is they must be first born again, born from above, and then live yielded to the control of the Holy Spirit. And more and more, you become like Christ in the way you think, what you say, and what you do. That brings good light. That makes things better. But if you go the opposite, listen, I love you, so listen. If you go the opposite, you're helping Satan do what he wants to do. He wants to rule. He wants to rule the earth and all the people on it. And that's like becoming a slave to Satan. He wants to control you. That's why he gets you addicted. Or he helps in getting you addicted because we choose 
to get in addictions. He encourages it. Let's legalize marijuana. Let's legalize alcohol. Let's legalize prostitution. That is all a work of Satan. My friend, it's a work of demons. It's not a work of God because what did we see? God is perfect. God is all-knowing. God's everywhere at once. It's not that God is bad. It's man is bad. But the good news is this. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross to bring God back into the man. This is the sad thing. Man is telling him no, 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 instead of yes. And now, look at the result. Murder every night. People stealing cars that do not belong to them. They didn't work one single minute. And they're stealing people's cars from older women who've worked all their lives. They're retired and they give money to places like Memphis Union Mission. And then their car gets taken away from them at a stoplight. That, my friend, is evil, wicked, demonic. And people who do that, unless they are turned and repent, and put their trust in Christ, they're going to burn in hell for all eternity. And listen, I promise you this, you'll never ever get old in hell. You'll burn, you'll burn, you'll burn forever. Where the worm dieth not. God is good. The problem is man. The fixer is Jesus. But man keeps telling him, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And will not let himself think, I am dying daily, then what? That's what's happening. And so, we see that through one man, talking about Adam, sin and entered into the world. So basically, the title of the message is an uncertain future. Why is it so uncertain? Well, we can't see the future, but God holds the future. But what's making people nervous right now is because of three letters. It's sin. It's on steroids right now. It's heightened. And everybody's talking about it. Even lost people are beginning to turn to Christ because they're realizing something is wrong. So remember this. God loves and cares for us. In the midst of this, this uncertain future that we're looking at, God loves and cares for us. Matthew 10, 29-30 Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You know what that means? That means He knows you intimately and He loves you. He has not given up on you, but you are dying daily. Do not turn away. Walk with Him. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me ask you, if it's everlasting, that means it never stops, right? It does that in heaven, aren't you glad? It does that in hell, aren't you sad? Which one will it be for you? Heaven or hell? If I gave you a million dollars cash right now, you would be so excited, but you would continue dying. God is not the author of evil and confusion, and that's where things are right now. It's been this way all through human history, and at points in human history, it seems like it's growing at a more rapid rate, and that's what we're experiencing now, and we're thinking, what's going to happen? People have gone crazy. You say, Chris, I'm crazy. <laughs> I think we all are a little bit crazy. Have you noticed that you're starting to think, I don't think I'm as crazy as everybody else. 
People are out of control. This is a sign of the last days. 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not the author of confusion. Who is? Who did he confuse to begin with? Adam and Eve. He confused them. And that's what he's doing to you and me. Don't let him confuse you any longer. Win, my friend. Don't go with a loser. His name is Satan and his demons. They're going to be in hell forever, never ever to come out again. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. You see, our human tendency is to impose a man-centered standard on God. Can't do that. What does the Word of God say, written by God Himself? What does He say about Himself? If we're not careful, we'll listen to teaching that people just assume about God instead of saying, wait a minute, where is that found in the Word of God? By a human standard, we measure God. Good does not define God. God defines good. God was sovereign over our salvation. That's for our good. God is sovereign over our future. That's for our good. No one can adequately explain why God allowed sin. We don't know that. We have assumptions, but I can tell you this, He's a perfect God, and if He allowed sin, even though He's sovereign over all, if He created Lucifer, which He did, who became Satan, He knew what was happening in heaven with a third of the angels before He kicked them all out. He allowed it anyway. He knew what would happen on earth in the Garden of Eden with Eve and Adam. He knew. He allowed it. And He's perfect. He's righteous. He's holy. And He's loved because the cross proves it. Well, then why did He allow it? You ask him that when you get to heaven and tell me what he tells you. But make first certain you're going there. God's glory is more perfectly demonstrated through the victory of Christ over sin. It's like you have darkness and you have light. In darkness, you see nothing. But if you throw a little light toward the darkness, you begin to see. The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Was like a tutor, was like a mirror. When they saw the Ten Commandments, they realized, I'm sinful. So it's like God allows darkness so that we can see and pay closer attention to Him, the light. When we look at an uncertain future right now, it should cause us, instead of to worry, to say, I'm going to walk with God through all this because He sees it all. He knows what He's doing next. It should cause us to be more intimate with Him. God allows Satan to exist, and to this day Satan has access to heaven. God allows legions of demons to exist. Once a person is saved, there is still a war inside of the believer between man's flesh and the Holy Spirit. We feel a tug-of-war. Remember, there are three enemies of the Christian, and they are the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's what's going on. When we think of an uncertain future, that is what's going on that's got us nervous. You say, well, what's positive about this? This is causing people to turn to Christ because they're worried. That is one reason God allows these things. Remember, God's glory is more perfectly demonstrated through the victory of Christ over the world, the flesh, and the devil. If you go to the local jewelry store, you say, I want to buy a diamond for my wife. You can mark it down. The first thing he's going to lay on the counter is what? Black velvet. And he's going to lay that diamond on that black velvet. And they got a lot of lights in the jewelry stores. 
so that you can really see it very clearly. You see, God, it's like wherever He is, it makes everything visible. And when God is at work, sin is exposed. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Keep loving God. You say, well, things are not going too well for me. Praise God you're physically dying because heaven's going to be wonderful forever. No sin in heaven. Just wait. God causes things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Third question is this. Is the world being judged by God? Possibly. Remember when uh, 9-11 happened? The whole world stopped and watched New York City in the United States of America. It got everybody's attention. Was God judging mankind? Possibly. Think of Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. It talks about a building, a tower falling. And listen to what Jesus said about it. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There's no other record of this instant anywhere in Scripture. So apparently, some Galileans were slain by Pilate's soldiers while offering sacrifices at the temple so that their blood and, and the blood of the sacrifice, they were all mixed together. So the point Jesus is making here is that this did not happen to them because they were worse sinners than other Galileans, but that all need to repent. So the context of this passage is a call to individual and national repentance. So you say, well, I thought maybe 9-11 happened, God allowed it, because New York City is a lot worse than Memphis, Tennessee. You can't look at it like that, my friend. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. People in 9-11 in those Twin Towers, they were not worse than everyone else. I'm sure God used it maybe as a wake-up call and things that are going on right now with the pandemic and all these things that have happened as a wake-up call to America for confession and repentance among believers in our fellowship with God. You see, we're children of God. Christ lives in us. But if we're walking the ways of the world, even though we're not lost, we're saved, but we live as though a lost man, and therefore we accomplish nothing, and we do not bring light anywhere we go. Think about this. Which one is worse? Around 5,000 people died in 9-11 in the Twin Towers. Murdered by terrorists. But this nation has murdered far more than 30 million babies in their mother. This nation has done that. Which one's worse? Both are horrible. Does the way you vote 
make you partly responsible. Vote for the lesser of evil because we're in an evil world and there is no politician that's perfect. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But vote for the lesser evil to slow down the spread of sin and wickedness so that we can share the gospel just a little bit longer before it's too late. So the fourth thing is this. When you think about an uncertain future, number four, can Christians go to war? Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Wait a minute. You're telling us to be subject to corruption? Listen, my friend. Every child that's ever been born since Adam and Eve was born dead in trespasses and sins. We do not live in a perfect world as far as human beings because sin came in. So no matter who you vote on, they're imperfect. But some are absolutely corrupt. To vote for someone who believes in abortion is to be an accomplice to murder. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. In other words, God allowed us to have order. God allowed us to have governing authorities. He did not stop that. He actually uses that. This demands a righteous response on behalf of all Christians. Our response should be justice, not vengeance. You say, what is vengeance? Vengeance is sinful because it assumes that we can act in the role of God even when we think it is for a righteous cause. Well, then what is justice? If someone breaks the law, they pay the penalty. It's not vengeance. Basically, it keeps us safe. If someone breaks the law, they need to go to prison. It's not vengeance to pay them back for what they've done. No, that's God's role. It is to keep us safe, to make them say, I'm never going to do this again, to keep us all safe. If you don't do justice, my friend, crime will increase, murder will increase, theft will increase. Being passive fails. If we're just passive, saying let everybody just do what they want to do, it fails because it underestimates the power of human sinfulness. My friend, listen. If we take governing authorities off the face of the earth, if we do away with all military, if we do away with all police, can you imagine what this world would be like in one week? You would own nothing. Whatever you had would be taken away from you. So, when we see people looting and rioting, what it's one thing to have a peaceful protest like if all of our local churches would get together and say let's go protest planned parenthood because they're all for aborting babies so let's get together as a local church and let's go protest no bad language no tearing up buildings and no looting walgreens if we're going to protest what has that got to do with taking things out of Walgreens that don't belong to us. That's what's happening in this nation. But God has delegated for us to have some authority. But Chris, some of these authorities are against you. I understand that, but listen, I love you, so listen. My friend, if we don't have them, it's over. Because the sinfulness of man that started in the Garden of Eden, when it's unleashed and there's no stopping it, my friend, listen, death is going to increase. 
Romans 13, 3-4, For the rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Have you ever noticed when police show up somewhere, people start running and hiding? They start ducking? It's because there's an authority. Now, I'm not saying that every police officer is a perfect man or woman, but I want to tell you, I'm glad we have them. It'd be even more chaotic if we didn't. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. Verse 4, Romans 13. I'm reading from the Bible. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Number five, I got to close out here. Number five, how should we be living as Christians? What I just said, I know, may have come across negative, but it's the Word of God. It is what it is. There's the right thing to do, do it. There's the wrong thing to do, don't do it. Because if you do it, you may be locked away for a long time. It's not punishment. It's correction, and it's protecting the people around you. How should we be living as Christians? Number five, where is your heart? For this present world system that's controlled by Satan or for your Father in heaven who's sovereign over all. Matthew 6, 19-21 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Notice that. Where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's the question. Are you ashamed of Jesus? Mark 8:38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, listen to this, in this adulterous and sinful generation, handed down from father to father to father, long before we were born, this sin keeps being handed down. It is why Jesus came who was sinless to become our sin and to die on the cross as our substitute. Because that shows you the love of God. He's not against you, my friend. He's for you. He says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So here's the question. What is your present view of God? Do you see him as God or just the man upstairs? Do your part, my friend, in fulfilling the Great Commission. Genesis 1, 27-28. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female. There's no such thing as confusion on male and female. That subject is satanic and demonic. It can be traced all the way back to what Lucifer did in heaven what he did on earth as Satan with his demons, with Adam and Eve, and every child that's ever been born. We have come to the point, generation after generation after generation, three letters, S-I-N, sin has now got young children who are mostly innocent at those young ages, wondering, am I a boy or a girl? My friend, listen. It's not political. It is wicked, evil, devilish, and demonic. And that is where we are, my friend. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He said, So God created man in his own image, the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. God created them. They did not create themselves. Then God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and what? 
You know, that's Genesis. You know what Jesus said in Matthew? Go and make disciples to all nations till he comes back. We should be fruitful, leading people to Christ, growing them up, and being willing to help people who got on the wrong track, get back on the right track, to protect them and protect everyone. So how do you do this? You walk in the Spirit. Jeff mentioned it just a moment ago. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to embark. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Walk in the Spirit. Allow God to conform you to the image of Jesus by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Share your life with people lost and saved. Share with them what God is revealing to you as you live your life. Remember the great commandment. Matthew 22, 36-37. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. How you think determines what you'll do next after lunch. And it'll determine how you feel the rest of the day. It starts right here. You will not get up and go to lunch without a thought coming to your mind, get up and go to lunch. You'll think it, and then you'll get up and go to lunch. Loving God with all your heart has to do with what you pay attention to, what you set your affections on, and what you think about even when you are not aware you're thinking about it. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.